Amen. You guys can be seated as I block Jaina. So as we open our eyes, no one can see where Jaina was. Welcome to Oasis. My name is Pastor Ben. Uh, I'm the young adult college pastor here at Grace Point. Uh, we are entering into a new series. We are going to be talking about identity. Uh, the name of the series is called Real Me More Than Insta. And I'm the oldest man probably in the room, so the more than Insta was not my idea. Just so you can give all the credit to Brendan and Jana because they're young and smart and hip and cool. <laughs> but we live right now in an age where a lot of people are focused on and curious or just even, even going after more followers. How many friends do I have on Facebook? Which, again, that shows how old I am. Half of you probably don't use Facebook. How many likes did I get with this specific post or picture? I mean, I've been known to, when I'm in the bathroom, open up Instagram and double, double tap some Insta Gs and give a little hearts to people. But we are just in this age where I think we don't really know who we are. And so coming into not only tonight, but over the next month, we're going to be diving into not only the importance of why we need to fully understand who we are, we're going to dive into, okay, who does God say we are? We're going to give each other and, and even just opportunity for us to recognize that we've actually been living lies, some of us, and we haven't recognized it or realized it. I've been praying for this series for a couple months. Over the summer, we were doing a, a series on the character of God and the heart that God has for us. And in the midst of that, I knew that I wanted to address just identity. I wanted to help us understand really, really who, who God says we are and then how to live out of who God says we are. So the, the title for tonight is You Have a New Identity. That's, that's the message for tonight. And within that, I just want you to think of, um, or I'm going to ask a couple questions. I want you to think of your answers. Do you, do you know who you are? If someone were to ask you the question, how would you define it? What would be the first thing that you'd say? College student? Professional? Brother? Sister? Some of us in here are husbands or wives. A couple of us in here are parents. How would you answer that question? On what foundation are you building are you building your sense of self and your answer to who you are, whether true or false, defines your life? The big idea for tonight is that I live and we live who we believe we are. I live who I believe I am. That's the big idea for tonight. I live who I believe that I am. And so I got this board behind me because I'm gonna try to write on it, hopefully eligibly. But there's a diagram that I saw this pastor, his name's Pete Briscoe, use in how do we figure out what does it look like to fully live out who we are? How do we live out our identity, not only just obviously as Christians, but just in general? And this diagram that he made up, he learned from another guy who was using it in a leadership conference. And he's saying, in order for us to lead ourselves well, we have to know who we are. And he said, he looked at the diagram, he thought, man, that's a really, with a few tweaks, that's a really, really cool actually way to figure out how to live out our identity. So what ends up happening is we have the circle, right? And in the middle here, I'm going to write identity. Hopefully spell it right. Those of you who know me know I struggle with spelling. I'm from here on. Don't blame me. <laughs> I do, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. Here on is awesome. I apologize. <laughs> I'm already struggling. 
There's a T here. <laughs> Told you. We live who we believe we are. <laughs> That's not a joke. I don't know how to spell. <laughs> we all have, can come up with this idea. Okay, who, who are you? If I, you're going to ask, who are you? How would you define your identity? That's just awful. Man, I may need a volunteer. But from our identity, what ends up happening is that we have these tendencies. And so from our identity, flow out these tendencies. Did I spell it right? Anyone? Yes! That's a win. And from those tendencies, we have actions. <laughs> and from our actions, there are consequences. This is going to be a good one right here, guys. <laughs> Quinn says, yes. And then from those consequences, thank you. Thank you. I needed that. Sometimes you just need a little encouragement. <laughs> And from these consequences, we have our reality. And what ends up happening ah, is that when our reality is not what we want, or when our reality doesn't match the expectations of what we think it should be, we complain. And what we don't realize a lot of the time is that our reality isn't just something that's happening. It's actually born from who we believe we are. See, our reality is the way it is because of certain consequences that were brought about by certain actions that we've done stemming from tendencies that we thought based off of and born from our identity of who we think we are. Our reality is from certain consequences because of certain actions that we did stemming from tendencies born out of who we believe we are and our identity. When I ask someone sometimes who, who they believe are, or even when someone asks me who I am, and if I don't know if they know Jesus or not, a lot of times I'll say, oh, I'm a pastor. It kind of correlates with my job, or I'm, I'm a father. I'm a husband. When I was in my high school career, <laughs> I was a golfer, and I like to say that. And so as a golfer, I, I joined the, the JV team in middle school, and I saw all these guys that were ahead of me, and I saw how they just went about practicing. The little things that, that they did in their life that made them good golfers. And so I identified myself as a golfer. And so what I wanted to do is, okay, what are tendencies of really good golfers? They take care of themselves. They practice a ton. They know their limits. They know what they should practice and what they should work on and what they probably don't need to or shouldn't. And so from those tendencies led to the actions I started as I got a little older and wiser, started actually practicing the right way. And so instead of taking my lob wedge, which is a 60, I know I'm going to lose half here, or more than half probably, 60 degree club and try to hit these ridiculous lob wedge shots that would go a mile in the air and stick them on the, on the green a foot from the hole, I wasn't skilled enough to do that. So I started practicing, okay, what's an easier way that's within my skill set to be able to pitch better and get closer to the hole? And as I kept practicing, all of a sudden there were consequences. I, I started to kind of become a better golfer. And then my reality was I was getting lower scores. It doesn't just happen with, obviously, sports and, and golfing. Um, on June 19th, 2010, and you guys actually, I'm super proud that I remember this date. I got married. <laughs> yeah, right? 
<laughs> I've thought about getting a tattoo on my ring finger, but I don't know yet. Maybe. And the night before, and even the morning of June 19, 2010, I wasn't a husband. And then we came into this church, June 19, 2010, and I stood up on this stage. It looked a little different. It had green carpet. It was sick. And we said some words, and then in an instant, the pastor said, I now introduce you, blah, 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 man and wife, all the things. We kissed, and all of a sudden, in a moment, I'm a husband. And all of a sudden, I got really scared, because I don't know how to be a husband. <laughs> yeah, I've read the books, and yeah, all that stuff, but then, man, you get in it, it's like, oof, duh. <laughs> I love my wife. And marriage has taught me that I'm way more selfish than I thought I was. And so in our first year of marriage, and even the first couple weeks and couple months, I had to figure out, okay, now I'm a husband. But what are the tendencies of good husbands? They're faithful. They're not af afraid to have tough conversations. They're not afraid to admit that they're wrong. They provide and protect. They make their spouse feel loved and wanted. And so when those tendencies start to happen, all of a sudden there's actions from those tendencies. I'm starting to show my wife that I love her. Tell her that I love her. I'm doing things not just because she asked, but because I want to do them for her because I love her. And from those actions, there are certain consequences. And if I'm doing my job well, those consequences are really great. And then our reality is a healthy marriage. And I didn't say happy because sometimes it's not happy. Sometimes marriage is really tough. But we love each other. But sometimes these titles aren't always positive. <sighs> what if I really believe that I'm just, I wasn't good in school, so this is, it hits a little, it hits home for me, and, and that's hard to admit. What if I believe that I'm a C student? All of a sudden, I start to believe I'm a C student. My tendencies towards being a C student is, okay, I'm, tendencies of a C student, probably not very hard worker, Potentially. And this isn't universal, but it's close. Maybe lazy. If you were like me, who got C's, not just in college, but in every schooling age. I like to watch Netflix during finals week and not study. My freshman year, I didn't go to pre-calc class because I didn't think I had to go to class. I just went on days that they had tests and I ended up failing the class because attendance counted. See, students tend to don't, don't pay attention to detail. And so, because I had these tendencies, those were those actions. Not studying too hard, showing up late, not showing up at all. And there were consequences to those. Didn't know, wasn't fully prepared for tests. Wasn't doing homework well. And then my reality came, and all of a sudden, when I took a test and I got the test back, what did it say? C, or D. And then all of a sudden, what I'm happening is, I didn't realize that I was believing that I was a C student because my reality was matching my belief, not recognizing that actually there were things that I was doing along the way that were creating the reality that I was living in and I didn't want to address it or I didn't know how to or I didn't realize I was believing something that was a lie. I think we do this to ourselves a lot and we don't realize that we're actually doing it to ourselves. So wrong ways of defining who we are, they arise naturally in our hearts. It's that time, and this is why we, I think we did the more than instant subtitle, where I post the thing or I make a comment or I share a picture and I'm waiting for that someone to comment or that like or whatever. And not everyone struggles with that, but I think 
We all have a tendency sometimes to get into that. It's that time in relationships where I do something or maybe show up for someone and that someone doesn't show up for me so I'm believing something about myself that isn't true. Maybe I'm just not lovable enough to actually be someone's friend. Wrong ways of defining who we are rise naturally in our hearts and the world around us preaches and models innumerable innumerable false identities. So not only does it arise in our heart based off of experiences and circumstances that we have, the world is shouting and telling us lies, forcing us to believe things about ourselves that are not true. I'm going to show a clip from what I think is a great movie, but my son is scared to death of it. It's called Wreck-It Ralph. And it's right away in the beginning of the movie. He is. He's scared to death of it. If you guys can talk to him, that'd be great. It's a great movie. And it's right away in the beginning where he's telling this story about what it's like to be the bad guy in a video game. And all of a sudden, it pans out into Ralph being in this support group called Bad Anon, which is Bad Anonymous, Bad Guys Anonymous. And he's sharing his heart, and he's never been before, and he gets asked the question, so why, why have you finally come, Ralph? We've been asking you for years to come. You haven't come. Why have you come? And then he gives this answer of why he came, because he wanted to try to change something. So go ahead and play the clip. He looked depressed. <laughs> he came with the thought of wanting to change. Have you guys ever had that thought come in the head when the ghost from Pac-Man, who was somehow leading the group, said, we can't change who we are? There have been many times in my life where that's been a reality for me, where I've believed the lie that I can't change who I am. Sometimes within our hearts, within ourselves, we believe things that aren't true about us because of circumstance. Sometimes it's the world or even friends speaking an identity into us that's not true. Sometimes growing up, it's authoritative figures, and a lot of time, actually, I think it's authoritative figures in our life like parents or teachers or coaches, maybe pastors, who have said one simple phrase over and over, you're just not good enough at that. Stop doing that. You're a failure. You're unworthy. I wish I never had you. And all of a sudden, those statements start to become more real, and we start actually believing these statements that are told from the to us from the authoritative figures in our life. And so I'm told I'm a failure. I start believing that's actually who I am. And so the tendencies of being a failure is poor work ethic, avoid challenges, they escape conflict. And from those tendencies, there are actions of showing up late, of cutting corners, or when it's really tough, we quit. Maybe it's with school or a class or relationships or a job. And then the consequences of that are we're looking for work and there's financial trouble. We can't trust people. And then the reality is we're unemployed or lonely, depressed, frustrated with life. And we don't know why we're in our reality because we're not recognizing that I'm believing something about myself that isn't true. I live who I believe I am. If I'm believing a lie, I'm living a lie. And that's not what God has intended for us. 
I believe, I, I, I live who I believe I am. And if I'm believing a lie, I'm living a lie. And that's not what God has intended. Like Ralph, because of friends and what he felt, he was believing a lie. That he couldn't change being the bad guy. And what he's doing, and this is a, this is a term coined by Pete Briscoe, who's a genius, is what's happening, he's believing an identity, which is super cheesy. Ugh. Failing it, spelling again. And when he's believing this identity, he's believing something that's not true about himself. Identities is when you believe a lie about yourself, you start to live out of that lie, and you end up in a reality you didn't want to end up in. Some of you guys are living out of identities. Some of you guys are living out of false statements and lies about who you really are. Some of us are living out of these lies and our identities, not the true God-given identity that God desires for you to live out of that God desires for you to accept and believe. What is that lie? Maybe your identity is wrapped up in an addiction, or you just think and believe that you're an addict that can never change. It's just the way it is. Maybe it's wrapped up in a political party. Maybe it's in the grades that you receive the compliments that you get or don't get. Being an anxious and stressful people pleaser or just wanting desperately to be loved. Are you living out of an identity or are you living out of your God-given true identity? Because you've been given a God-given identity from the Father. In Scripture, time and time again because of what Jesus has done for us God says a lot of things about who we are a lot of things about who we are there are truths wrapped up in scripture that can help us live out fully who God says we are live out fully what God has intended for us But in order for those truths to be real in our life, there's one thing that needs to happen. You need to have a relationship with God. And the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. I want to so badly, just tonight, stop and explain and proclaim what those identities are that God says we are. Because they're clear in Scripture and they're all over. But before I get there, it wouldn't matter if I expressed those things and I said, this is who God says you are. This is who God says you are. This is who God says you are. If there are people here who don't know Jesus. If there are people, and I think we all have a tendency to do this, who believe so much in a lie about ourselves that we can't actually hear the truth about who God says we are. So we're gonna address that. If we don't have an understanding of who Jesus is, of what he came to do, 
of why we gather even like this on a Sunday night to worship God, to lift up the name of Jesus. If I haven't recognized that his payment and death on a cross was sufficient enough for me to have relationship with God, none of the identities that God says I am, which are truthful, matter. Because they only matter if I know Jesus and have said yes to him. So I'm going to quickly go through, guess a gospel, but the reality of why it was so important for God to want to send his son Jesus down to save you. In the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, created animals, the forest, the insects, the bugs, the jaguar, as my son would say, because that's now his favorite animal. It changes every other day. And he created humans. We have clear identity markers, which is what God says we are. And we have those because God created us in his own image. He created us male and female. He created us to have relationship with us. The first thing I want you to know is that your value and your identity begins with the fact that you are made by the hand of the creator in his very image. In Genesis 1 and 2, he creates everything. Your identity begins with the fact that God created you to be in relationship with you. And so since authority figures in our life like parents and teachers and sometimes pastors and coaches have such a huge voice in why we believe the things that we do, how much more so should the God, the creator of heavens and earth, have a voice in our life about who he says we are? It starts with believing and knowing that he created you to be in relationship with you. That's from Genesis 1.27. The second thing I want you to know is in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. You have not been forsaken. God created us to be in relationship with him. In the garden, Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship and relationship with God. They walked with him in the cool of the day, as Genesis says. And then Satan came and tempted Eve and Adam, and they ate fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat. And sin entered the world and destroyed the relationship that was perfect that they had with God. And once sin entered the world, it affected us. And so each and every one of us has gone through this life sinning, which means I'm living for myself and my own will and not God's will. If you've ever lied, you sin. If you've ever cheated, you sin. If you've ever thought hateful thoughts over a person, Jesus said that's like murdering them. If you've dishonored your father and or mother, you sinned. We've lived, every single one of us has lived for ourselves and not for God. And when we live for ourselves. What scripture tells us of that is that the relationship that was established with God, the reason he created us to have a relationship with him was broken. And we were separated from him because of that sin. Jane, will you come up, please? And so from that moment on, God has been trying to teach his people and tell his people, I'm for you and not against you. There's coming a moment where I'm gonna save all humanity. Everything in the Old Testament all the sacrifices that they had to do were to pay for the sin that they committed, but they were looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus would make for us on the cross. God created you to be in relationship with him. 
Your sin separates you from God. And that relationship is broken and busted, but God has not left you or forsaken you or forgotten you. Scripture goes on to tell us in Jeremiah 31, 3, that yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. His love for you is relentless and immeasurable and infinite. Doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. And so because he's never forgotten you, or forsaken you, even in your sin, even in that moment, whether it was this morning or before you came to Oasis or this last night or this week, in the midst of living for yourself, God has not forgotten you. His love is immeasurable and infinite. He is for you. And to prove that he is for you, he didn't stop by just declaring, I love you. He didn't just declare, don't worry, I haven't forgotten you, I haven't forsaken you. He showed us. And he showed us through his son, Jesus. And in John 1, it gives this perfect, I think, picture of how much God truly loves us. John 1, verse 10. said, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Jesus himself was fully God and fully man. He was with the Father and the Holy Spirit in the beginning of time and created everything. So when it says him here, it's talking about Jesus. He was in the world. Jesus was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to God's people. And the people didn't recognize that he was God. The people didn't recognize that he was the coming Messiah, which the Jewish people had believed forever and had been waiting for for a long time, which the Old Testament speaks of. It says these people did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those he believe, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision, but born of God. To those who have received him. Have you received Jesus? Your sin separates you from God. God loves you so much and has not forgotten you or forsaken you that he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus lived this perfect life, the life that we were meant to live. He lived the life proving that he was not only from God, but that he was God. And the only way for the relationship to be fixed that was broken because of sin was for God to pay for it. And Jesus paid for it with his blood and his life as he was nailed to the cross. His blood was shed for you and for me that our sin would be paid for in full. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The creator of life loves you so intensely that he allowed his only son to die in your place. God created you to be in relationship with you. Your sin separates you from God. God loves you and sent his son down to die for you. And then the Bible says if we confess our sin, if we say, yes, God, I've recognized that I've lived for myself, we confess our sin 
He is faithful and just. God is faithful. He will forgive us our sin. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, if I say, Jesus, I recognize the death that you made on the cross, the pain, that was payment enough for my sin, I want to live for you. Created you to be in relationship with him. That relationship was messed up because of sin and broken because of sin. Jesus paid for your sin once and for all. Not just the sin that you have committed, not just the ways that you've lived for yourself, but the ways that even now you're living for yourself and the ways that you're going to live for yourself. He's paid for it all. And it says, if you've received Jesus, those who received him, God gave the right to become his children. If you said yes to Jesus, said thank you for dying for me, for paying the price that I was meant to pay, God gives you an identity as a son and as his daughter. He's for you and not against you. Everyone close your eyes. I'm gonna do this as much as I can because I believe without a doubt God brings people into this place who don't know him. And so if that made sense to you, that God loves you, that he's created you to be in relationship with him, that your sin has separated you from him, that you believe that Jesus, his death on the cross and his resurrection was enough to pay for that sin, And if for the first time ever in your life, you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to say, Jesus, I'm done living for myself. I want to live for you. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. For the first time in your life, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you and I can see you? For the very first time in your life, say yes to Jesus. Thank you. Another seminary where you said yes to Jesus, but you still struggle with living out a lie that you're believing about yourself that's not true. For those of you that just want to say, all right, God, <laughs> this last week was a tough one. I want to stop living for myself and I want to start living for you. I want to start believing who you say I am as your son or as your daughter, completely loved, not forgotten or forsaken. Maybe you just want to make a commitment or recommit whatever it is. You want to say, all right, I'm done living for myself, Jesus. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you as well? When we said yes to Jesus, all of the identities, all the things that God says we are, are true about us. If you've received him, as it says here in John 1, he's given you the right to be his son or his daughter, to be his child. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
If you belong to Jesus, you have a brand new life in him. I'm gonna invite the rest of the band to come up. For those of you tonight that for the first time gave your life to Jesus, said yes to him, we have people in the back that wanna pray for you. For those of you who raise your hand saying, I'm done living the lie that I believed about myself for this long, I wanna start believing the truth that I am a new creation. I'm your son, I'm your daughter. People in the back that wanna pray for you and encourage you. As we spend the next few moments just praying and resting in the goodness and the love of God. For the rest of us, would you just ask God to reveal a lie that you've been believing that's not true? You are not a failure. You are not unworthy. You are lovable. God says you are mine. God says I hold you in the palm of my hand. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your love. I thank you for moments when you give us opportunity to confess. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying, I confess that I've been living a lie about myself. Father, help us all to believe the truth that we are new creations in you, Jesus. That the old life of sin has passed away and the new has come. That we are your sons and we are your daughters. And in the moments and the times when the circumstances of life, when the lies that the devil tries to plant in our head seem to speak louder than truth, crush them crush the lies. Remind us that we are yours. Father, I celebrate with you and thank you for those here tonight that for the first time gave their life to you, Jesus. I said yes to you. We all have things in our life that you desire to change, that you want us to stop believing. Tonight, let it be a catalyst, a push to start fully believing the truth of who you say we are. As we continue in this series, as we continue to talk about who really you say we are, as we talk about in a couple weeks what it means that we are your children, that we are your sons and your daughters, that you have actually made a covenant with us, a promise to us. I thank you that you value us, that you've accepted us, that you desire to be in relationship with us. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. You are King, you are Lord, Savior, Messiah, ruler of all.